Hello, podcast land. Captain Novice and Bo are back for our very first off-season podcast in Parkton Turn 1. Bo, how are you tonight, buddy? I'm good, man. I am ready to ramble. What about you? You know what? I Honestly, I am too. I think we have some some news things to talk about. I think we want to let people know what we're doing in the off-season to kind of keep it in in the front of their minds to listen to the best uh, MotoGP World Superbike and Moto America podcast based in the southeastern United States. I think we have to do it. I think we want to let everybody know what we're going to be doing. We've got some interesting stuff planned. Um, first of all, let's talk about what you did last weekend when there was no racing. That was it. What you just heard was basically <laughs> it. You, you kind of stand around and you stare at the wall and you you, you look over. And, you, you know, honestly, there was racing. We, we watched the uh, the last F1 race. Um, okay. Well, that you know, so, well two-wheel racing. I'm sorry. I did not clarify. Yeah, no, there no, was no. A, a very exciting F1 race, yes. Right, right. But we're done now, right? So now this yep, weekend is yep. really going to be the, well, what do we do with our lives now? <laughs> That's right. Well, the truth is, is that I can tell you what you shouldn't do. And that's be in your front yard in your underwear because your neighbors don't like it. I don't know why. Uh, uh, I wouldn't know from personal experience. I was going to ask. Probably. I was gonna yeah, ask. no, I've, uh, listen, I, I can confirm nor deny that that's ever happened to me. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was there was no racing on. What was I supposed to be doing? <laughs> um, so and that's why I told the police officer. But the point is, is that, you know, I think, for all of us right now is that lull period. I mean, we've got some stuff happening in the off season, some testing. I saw Johnny Ray out testing the Kawasaki at Jerez. Uh, I, you know, some other folks are out testing. I saw uh, Scott Redding made his debut on the, um, the new BMW. Um, or at least he got on a BMW on a track. I don't know if it was the World Superbike BMW, but I know he got on a BMW. Yeah, I did um, and see he, an image of uh, Iker Lekawuna on the Honda. Yep, I saw that as well. And, and you know, here's the thing, though. What I noticed about Scott Redding's comments about the BMW Mm. was that they were the kind of comments you make when your bike is a dumpster fire and you know you've got a lot of work to do. That's why I took it. Um, He was talking about it doesn't do some of the things well that I need it to. We're going to be working really hard to get that. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> well, we have so, to keep in mind who we're talking about, though, too. You know, I mean, right. Scott, I mean, you know, honestly, tending to embellish some things sometimes. Right. So right now, it doesn't matter what bike Scott Redding's on; it's it's hot garbage, right? That's the way it is in the off season. Um, but at the same time, let's just—I'm trying not to get my mind set to what I think is going to happen. I'm trying to be open minded. But you know, it's hard when I read those comments. You know, as long as I've been reading comments from writers after tests it kind of it, it always shows up you know like oh no well they're going to work on it they'll get it fixed but they don't always get it fixed so hopefully for scott they do um have you seen any update at all with mark marquez i have not have you i have not and do you know why i asked i asked that because no news and the posts from his social media accounts being, you'll get through it, you can fight through it, have been there. They have done him more than once. And that leads me to believe that this was 
so much more serious yeah. than we were ever told. Because I get it. Right after you get hurt, they post a, hey, you can do it. But they did it now three weeks later or four weeks later. And it's like, again, the same post? That sounds like somebody trying to convince their guy he's got it in him. Um, or just wishing and hoping beyond hope. You know, it's like, I just... I don't know. I think we're supposed to get an update around Christmas from Honda. Um, but we know that he's not going to be testing in the off season at all at this point. Um, and I think that's a big deal. And I, it always happens to me. I, I don't love riders and I don't, they're not my favorite and I root against them. And then something like this happens and I immediately feel guilty and I don't like it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I don't, um, think, you know, I don't think it's the, I definitely didn't do it to him, oh, but well, obviously, right? Yeah, you don't. But and, I, and we don't wish ill on any. I don't any wish that on anyone. No, um, ever. The, and you know, we talked a little bit about this um, about uh, over numerous podcasts. You know, and kind of the sentiment around Mark Marquez is that right. uh, you know Mark Marquez was such a, is such a transcendent transcendent talent, um, but it, you know the fact that the, I think the burden of responsibility lies solely you know on his shoulders with a little bit of. Uh, a sheepish Honda kind of standing behind the, you know, watching with a little bit of egg on their face too, because this wouldn't have happened had they not had to rely around his sheer talent to ride around that, that bike. Right. Right. But, That's but true, ultimately, though, I, I mean, mean, a Honda didn't hold a gun to his head to tell him to, you know, to go out and, and, ride like his hair was on fire. I mean, that's the spirit of the comp of the competitor that he is. It, it's going yeah, to no, happen, it's... but. Yeah. Now he's still, you know, he's still what? He's 26, 27 maybe? Or is he 28 yeah. yet? Yeah, no, he's late 20s. Um, he's still very young. It, it's hard to remember that because he's been in the championship for so long, it feels like, you know. Right, and, right. Um, but he is super young. But I think you and I both know that you don't get better as you age. Like your physical well-being doesn't get easier as well, you age. Your mindset age. kind of, at some point I think your mindset begins to change. Um, yep. you know, you, your, your focus begins to shift just a little bit and, and you really do start to become a little bit more self-aware about what, what could happen, I guess. Um, and I think that that is what made, it really kind of made Valentino Rossi's career such a long storied career was, I think he had that a lot earlier possibly, and he was able to manage that, you know, with the talent level as well. Oh. And, you know, tempered, yep. tempered a lot of enthusiasm with good judgment sometimes. Yeah, so I think you remember the crash he had at Mugello, uh, where he broke his leg uh, pretty badly. Um, I think that was the moment for him where he was like, I am mortal. Right. Um, and, it, and I think the rehab from that, he came back and he still won races. He was still great. But I think you're right. I think he changed his mind. He's like, I don't want to do this again. This is garbage. <laughs> You know, uh, so the it, it, injuries like that affect us all differently. I mean, they're, everybody's got their own mental makeup and psychology. Uh, and, and for some guys, they just brush it off. It's nothing, you know, and, and I just mentioned to you before we came on live that I'm listening to the book Leathered that uh, is basically an autobiography by John Hopkins. And it is fascinating to get a peek behind the curtain of a MotoGP rider. It's fascinating. It is. It. 
I had no idea John Hopkins went through the things that he went through. And I always begrudged him for not being a better American representative, but now I know why. And he had some problems. And I think we could talk about John and his book and his career on one of the podcasts, which is kind of leading me to my next segue um, into what we're going to be doing in the off season, right? And I think what we decided to do was to do some podcasts that go in depth talking about former and current uh, MotoGP riders, probably starting with the former because we won't see him on track. But, uh, you know, I think you had said that you'd be pretty excited to get into that, really dig into their lives a little bit, learn a little about something, and like I said, get a peek behind the curtain of what drove them to reach the heights that they reached. Yeah, and and especially, you know, we talked to more specifically, you know, Casey Stoner was always a name that really kind of popped out in that yep. conversation really, really vividly to me. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't watch the – Casey Stoner career develop, um, but I've seen the glimpses, you know, I've seen the replays, I've seen the slow motion cam shots of, of, you know, how he was able to manhandle the bike. I've, I've read interviews uh, with Casey Stoner. I've seen the famous Valentino Rossi, um, you know, Laguna Seca race of 2008, I think, um, it, you know, I've seen those glimpses and it only makes me want to learn more and more about Casey Stoner and his career. And, and then even, you know, kind of take me back into that. Well, what could have happened had had he not had the chronic fatigue um, illness that he's oh. still, you know, fighting through? And um, I, you know, what would what what could have happened in his career? And possibly, you know, could he have taken his career just as long as as Valentino Rossi did? You know, and still be riding. Um, but but no, the more and more, I, I mean. I, I, I just I miss the I, 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 I hate the fact that I didn't get to watch that career live. You know what I mean? I, I hate that I didn't get to see him him flourish in, in real time. Yeah, I, I think if there's a better example as a fan of not knowing what you're watching until they're gone, I don't know it. Casey Stoner on a motorcycle was just unbelievable. I. I think I've told you this story. I remember vividly sitting in turn four paddock suite in Laguna Seca and watching him leave turn uh, five and the bike just bucking like crazy. And this guy never backing off the throttle. Never. And I, I've watched him do it lap after lap after lap. And I said to my buddy Tyson, how in the world is he doing that? And why? Why is that bike so bad? Well, then you look on the timing screens, and my man is up there at the top. It's yeah. like he he not only was able to ride through it, he flourished. And it's and, just amazing. Yeah, and, and I love his approach. You know, he gave an interview. I think it was at Portimao this year uh, when he was in the garage with the Ducati factory Ducati riders. Um and sat down with Simon Crayfar about new riders now and how the the approach to um, well the bike doesn't do what I want it to do or this doesn't fit my riding style he 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 neglects that you know at, at its yep. core you know to a point and and says well if the bike isn't doing it then you need to make it do it you know you That's have right. to 
ride around uh, with yourself and adapt to what you're doing. And I think that that approach to me is is so crucial and it's so important because it gives such a a good example to riders of all levels. Because it does. It's so easy for us to say, "Well, I can't get the bike to do it." I mean, you remember me on the uh, you know on the R one. Um, my first track day at the R1, you know, you were coaching me through it, trying to get me to figure it out. And I couldn't get the bike to turn no matter what I could do. I could, I couldn't get the bike to turn and, you know, trying different things on the bike and trying to move. And and then we did more, more research and talked to some more folks and realized there was a little bit of a flaw on the bike, but initially, you know, there was just things that, okay, what am I doing? That is not right. Um, right. and, And I think that's so important for us to to go through the the checklist and troubleshoot what we're doing on the bike to see if there is something that, you know, is it the bike? Is it not the bike? Because these machines are engineered far beyond our comprehension and will far outperform anything we can ever do on them. I agree. And I think, you know, there's a perfect example in the paddock the last few years of a guy that did exactly what Casey Stone was talking about there and making the bike do what he wanted to do. That was Marquez on the Honda. Right. No one else could do it. Marquez was like, I don't care what you want to do, bike. You're going to do this. And he just made it do it. So this will be fun. I, I think, like I said, peeking behind the curtain a little bit, uh, digging in depth to their, their early years and kind of following through with that, that will be very, very interesting. I'm sure, and, and like I told you, I'm listening to that book with John Hopkins. I had no idea the things that he went through. I don't think anybody really did. And the volume of injuries, the 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 struggles with uh, some addiction there, even while he was a MotoGP rider um, that I never knew about. I just knew Hopper wasn't winning, and I was like, you know what? You're ruining it. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I found it interesting, though, one of the things that he did say was he was a bitter rival with Nicky Hayden. Uh I don't think anybody was a bitter rival with Nikki Hayden that I've ever heard of. So I'll be interested to dig more into that as well. So I look, it, it's, it's really cool to see these guys run on Sunday and watch them practice from afar, but they're human beings and they have the same struggles that you and I have. And I right. think that is fascinating to see them overcome some of the things that they do. Um, and every time I read about some of these guys with some real hardship in their lives, I realize how hard my life has not been. And that's a, it's, it's kind of sobering the things that people have overcome and the things that I think are the worst, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and and it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. You got it. I know. I was going to say, you know, it's the, if I were to, to, it's the sine wave differences, right, in our ups and downs of life. You know, those guys live, and professional athletes um, live on such extremes. Their highs are, are very, very high, but their lows are very, very low. And, you know, our highs aren't quite as high, and the lows that we think are, are quite low aren't, aren't quite as low simply because we don't have as much to lose. You know, yep. we, we yep. haven't. We haven't lost a career. Um, you know, we have day jobs. Uh, so a crash to us um, is, in most cases, is just a, a, I say, a small financial uh, setback. But you, you understand what I mean, it, you know, speaking comparatively to, to what the setback sure. to them might be, you know, a crash to them might be, um, which could be a career ending. 
Um, so yeah, it's just I, the level right. of differences in the sport that we both participate in. Um, yep. I, I think, I think you're right. I think, um, it, it's just, I think everybody's life experience is different and it, it is fascinating to get to read about what some other people have been through and, you can't help but compare that to your own life as you're reading or listening to it. Right. Um, and it'll, it, this will be a lot of fun. And, and I think we'll learn some things and I, I can't get enough of racing and, and, and that sort of stuff. So it'll be great for me to have more background, the more background, the better on the people that I idolize growing up and the, the people that I watch on Sunday now. So that'll be a lot of fun. And, you know, of course, we'll we'll do the Nikki Hayden and the and the Kevin Schwantz. I, I think those would be fun to do as well because they're Americans and world champions. And Kenny Roberts, same thing. You know, uh, what it was like to ride in the championship, having a very famous father, the pressures that came with that. I mean, all that stuff is fascinating to me. So, um, I think that's what we'll do for the off season. Uh, but there is something that I saw and I want to talk to you about. Um, for the MotoGP rookies in 2022, of course, we know we've got Remy Gardner, Raul Fernandez, uh, Marco Bezzecchi, Darren Bender. Um, did I leave any? Oh, uh, Bastianini. No, Bastianini is there already. I'm sorry. Um, am I leaving anyone out? Uh, oh, yes. Uh, Dean DeGenitonio, right? right? right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we have those guys. Let's talk about each one of those rookies a little bit and what your expectations are individually um, and, you know, kind of for a season. Uh, as a team, and I wanted to start with Raul Fernandez because I read a quote by Raul Fernandez today, and what he said was, I have not prepared myself physically or mentally for the 2022 MotoGP season. And I don't really know how to take that. And And I'm sure English is his second language, so I'm not really sure what he meant by that, but what do you think when you hear that? So the first thought that would come to my mind is, Maybe he's selling himself a tad short of his preparation. Um, But with the supporting cast around him, I don't, I I don't see that happen. I don't see that happening. I don't see the lack of preparation um, quite happening because Akiyo knew, we knew mid season where he was going, right? That this deal was done and he knew he was going to MotoGP. The KTM infrastructure is so developed and in depth, I don't think that they would have let that go unattended. So I do think that there could have been some more, some tactics involved when they pushed Raul Fernandez to certain degrees during the weekend, even in Moto2. Even though it's not the same physically, I I think that they're going to to push him for certain, to, to a certain degree that they know that mental preparedness will translate over into the MotoGP grid. Um, physically, obviously, the bike is is a completely different animal. But um, I, you know, I think that that's just going to come with time. And, and I'm, I, I just, I, I don't think that that quote definitely was quite as indicative of what the the real situation might be, though, as far as his preparation. Yeah. What I, do you I, think? I, I mean, what, what's your take on that? Well, like I said, English is his second language, and I don't. But I did see him with the quote about he feels like he's the moral Moto2 champion and that he felt like some people in his team got in his way in his pursuit. And I just think that was... If there is a more Jorge Lorenzo 
imitation. I don't know if I've ever seen it. I just immediately, I was so high on this guy until that. Yeah, it really takes the wind out of your sails. You want to root, you know, and, and yeah, I don't, I don't have any place for that. Like, if you get beat, you get beat. You know, I'm not a huge uh, Lewis Hamilton fan, and I'm not a huge Verstappen fan, but I don't really understand completely what was happening in that F1 race. It just didn't feel, it felt weird to me. And it, But you know what Lewis Hamilton did not do? Is say, I'm the moral F1 champion this year. And for all the things that we complain about with Lewis Hamilton, and there are many, <laughs> he didn't do that. And that to me was a little bit petty, a little bit pouty, immature. But maybe that's what he has to do to drive himself. Maybe that's part of his motivation internally. But he said later that that's not what he meant. But I don't know what you mean when you say that. I don't know how else to take it. So that's where I am with Raul Fernandez. Right, and I, and I think... Again, let's look at the situation, and and you know we're not we're not really comparing apples to apples there between Lewis Hamilton and Raul Fernandez, uh, but but I completely right. understand where you're coming from. Um, you know, Lewis Hamilton is a what, seven-time world champion in F1. Um, yeah. He's older. I'm not His sure legacy is secure. Yeah, yeah. Like there's no yeah. Yeah, and and Raul Fernandez is the new blood who's trying to move up. You know, yeah. what I mean, we're talking to someone who was in Moto Three. You yeah, know, 14 there's at least ago. a 15-year age difference there, for sure, yeah, like and, 100%. And, and and when Raul Fernandez made that quote, I'm curious to know what happened that day leading up to that quote, what happened in, the, you know, possibly moments before. Was it a, was he in a poor mood? Because he's still a teenager. And oh, sure, We absolutely. don't say very calculated things as teenagers. And I don't care what you don't care what ethnicity or what nationality you're from. A teenager is a teenager, and a teenager is going to say stupid stuff and, and not oh, 100%. think before they fire off at the mouth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, and I, but I completely, all that to say, I completely agree with you. That comment reminds me that that almost sealed the Jorge Lorenzo comparison yeah. for me um, to him because right. he's such a, he, he's a fan, he's an amazing talent. Yep. He is a, a representative. He he carries himself with such a presence in the paddock. Yep. And he has a level of arrogance that is that has a certain you know magnitude to it. Um, right. Well, it's almost a prerequisite, level. right? Like there's a little bit of that in every rider. They right. have you to. Have to have and that. these yeah. guys have to have that component. You know, there has to be that component. It's it, there's no other way around it. it. There has to be that sort of confidence and arrogance that that you toe the line with. Um, yep between self-awareness and self-glory, you know? And, right, right. Um, so, so yeah, I, I agree that there's no – I don't have a place for that. that. That definitely makes me, I'll say, less of a Raul Fernandez fan to hear things like that. Right, but, right. But we always have to be, you know, remain objective because of exactly what you had actually just stopped talking about or got done talking about, about these guys are still human. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. The, the struggles yep. that Hopper faced and – um, even the struggles that that other riders have gone through that we haven't delved into yet, um, but you know, there's just there, there's no there's no real perfect recipe. I don't you know for for a human you know right. We're all still in, in works in progress, and we all develop and change and, yep. and grow up and yep. mature. No, and, I 
Yeah, you know? I, I, I took it with a grain of salt as, yeah. you know, sour grapes a little bit. You're mad because you lost the championship, and I totally get it. And you're young, like you really are. And let's see what he does. If, if he's still doing the same stuff when he's 28, then exactly. whatever. It's a different conversation. Yeah, it, absolutely. Because at that point, you can, you can make a comparison to the 2021 F1 Lewis Hamilton and the yep. twenty twenty, you know, the twenty thirty yeah. three, yeah. um, or twenty thirty or twenty twenty seven, Ralph yeah. Fernandez. So, I, I, you know, again, that was just something rubbed me the wrong way. But I also loved the way Remy responded to that. He called BS. <laughs> 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 so, I'm curious to see what that garage is like next year. If Remy's just like, ah, whatever, sour grapes, he'll be fine. Or if there's a little, if, if the wall goes up in the middle of that garage, because they didn't have a wall last year, you know, they worked together a little right, bit, you know, right, they, right. they, they were competing, but they were cordial. They were, there was no problems in the garage, but things have a way of, you know, inside the garage of going that way because of the stupid thing where the first person you want to beat is your teammate, yada, yada, yada. Right, um, but um, again, to look at the entire equation, there is Herve Poncherol has been running teams for quite a long time. Oh, a hundred percent. So I think that he knows he knows when to stop it. He needs he needs to know when to call BS on both of it, pull him aside, put him yep. behind closed doors, and ream him out and say, you know, yep. we're not going to have this. This is a team. We are a team. We're going to act yep. like a team. We're going to behave. You're going to get along. Um, you know, and almost have to treat children like children and, and address it that way and correct the behavior. Um, but as far as Remy Gardner goes, my take on Remy Gardner was this season to me was such a vindication for the road that he's been on uh, for so many years. And he's had so many struggles, so many setbacks, and he's done nothing but fight and try to, to improve and better himself and climb the mountain again. Um, and, and With I, the specter really, of a world champion father, no less. Right, exactly. It, like you, yeah, like you'd mentioned before, what it's like for Kenny Roberts Jr. to be riding. You know, um, so to me, I, I really think and I hope that this unlocks a freedom uh, for Remy Gardner that that takes so much pressure off of his shoulders and takes that burden, uh, you know, off of him for, for the moment at least, and can really allow him to just breathe, enjoy the moment, get to work, and and. Just do what he is obviously capable of doing, which is going out and being a, an amazing talent on a bike. Well, what are you expecting from Remy this year? Let's get into that a little bit. All that to say, I think realistically, I, I think Remy may see some struggles uh, initially on the on the bike. Um, it, it's the KTM, so unless KTM can really get a good recipe out the door. Uh, quickly with Brad Bender and Miguel Oliveira that they can kind of push into the Tech 3 team. Um, I, I'm going to say sub fi- sub top 15 for maybe a few races. And then, uh, you know, I, I think I think he may see um, top 15's point, point scoring finishes by the end of the year. Yeah, well, okay. Now, what about Raul per, Raul, Raul Perez, Raul Fernandez? What do what are you what are you thinking I, I, about for Fernandez? I'm actually thinking a little bit more successful out of the gate for Fernandez, to be completely honest. Um, and again, I think it goes back to to possibly some of that arrogance that could be there. Um, he may be able to push through the difficult um, adjustment phase a little bit better than Remy Gardner. Um, 
getting used to the bike, I mean. Yeah. Okay. Well. Where are you at? I really think that they have the unenviable task of running into probably one of the most talented top-to-bottom MotoGP paddocks that I can remember. Um, along with talent-capable bikes, right? And I think out of the bikes in the paddock, and let's not forget, there are eight Ducatis on the grid in 2022. Um, right. The KTM is, out of the other manufacturers, probably the least sorted bike. If you were to take, after you take Ducati out of the equation, and you've got Yamaha, Honda, Suzuki, KTM. I, I think KTM is the, the bike with the biggest question mark. I think it is um, the bike with the bike lacking the most consistency. I think Aprilia might actually be the bike to, in my eyes. I think the Aprilia lacks the most potential. You think Aprilia has less potential than the KTM? I do. I do. I think the KTM has a good recipe. They don't know how to put it together yet, though. They've got chassis issues trying to figure out what's going on with the front tire and how it behaves with it. It's got a good engine. I I, I honestly think that the Aprilia has a little bit less of of that recipe that complete recipe. I think if KTM that's just true, needs to figure out the the correct portion of each to to it and the, okay. the right adjustment. I'm going to disagree with you, and I'm going to tell you why. Because if that's true, tr- then Oliveira, Miguel Oliveira, is just a dumpster fire of a rider. Remember, uh, Miguel Oliveira did have a pretty rough uh, wrist injury as well this year. Yeah, but he. He did have an, a wrist injury. I I, I know I agree. that. It's 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 not a. It was not an ideal year for him. He or and Brad Bender. Bender. I mean, Bender won that amazing that race, and he yeah, won in yeah. Austria on that crazy race. The rest of the time, Bender. Even though we know Bender is a Sunday man, he is a Sunday. He was never terribly impressive to me. He did he did some good things some Sundays, but I I mean. I don't know. I, I feel like Alicia Spargaro was consistently ahead of them. But that may be completely wrong. Um, but, you know... Uh, How many just, updates did Aprilia bring to the table this year? 347. I don't know. <laughs> it was a lot. It was It was I, a lot. I guess my point, but, my, my point with that question is, KTM brought many, many updates, I felt like. I felt okay. like they changed a lot throughout the year. Um, All right. Well, I, before, while you're on that point, Brad Bender was 31 points ahead of Alicia Spargaro overall in the championship. Um, so maybe Bender actually outperformed Alicia, what I remember, but... Oliveira is nowhere to be found. Eaker and uh, Petrucci way down the list. Um, so, you know, well, he's 14th. Oliveira is 14th. He's not nowhere to be found. But for him, that's nowhere. Um, so KTM had 6th and 14th in the championship. Alicia Spargaro finishing eighth. He basically had no help on that other side of the garage until Maverick came, but I'm not, and Maverick finished 10th in the championship, but I'm not giving him that for right. Priya I mean, because he was on the Honda. Came, yeah, his points yeah he Yamaha. was on the Yamaha. He did not, 
he I said the Honda. Uh, he was on the Yamaha, not the Honda. But he he did he what ran two three races on the Aprilia, and I mean he was stellar. Don't get me wrong. I mean he finished what fifteenth, twelfth, eighteenth, some crazy. Point being, um, that it, it it's just that's. I mean, that's just what happens. And, um, yeah, so Maverick finished 16th in the last race, so he didn't score a point on that race on the Aprilia. Let's see the other... Let's see if he scored it all. I think he scored at the um, Misano race on the Aprilia, though. Yeah, he was 8th on the Aprilia at Misano. And he was... Let's see. 16th of Portugal. Yeah. And 16th of Portugal. So he scored, uh, he four scored one point scoring finish at Mizano on the Aprilia. Beyond that, he didn't do much. So, you know, we and can't, one point is, you, how, how many people actually fell out of that race at Mizano as well. Yeah, that is very important. We had the leader, especially, and then Jack Miller, too. Um, so, you know, I don't know. You, you make a good case there. I mean, Brad Bender, obviously. But but I think Brad, and we saw it in that race in Austria, he's a special rider. And I don't put him on the Mar- Marquez level. But I put him up there as maybe just as talented on a motorcycle as a Jack Jack Miller. Maybe just as talented as a... Well, I much more talented than a Pole Spargo to me. Um, so we'll see. But so for me, expecting next year for KTM at all is hard, and I think the rookies will have it hardest because I don't I don't know how much support they're going to get because if the factory bikes aren't sorted, how are their bikes going to be sorted? Right. 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 So. For me, that is tough. I, I I think that's tough. But one of the things that I saw, um, in terms of, I I, oh, I mentioned about Ducati having all those bikes on the grid. You know, Bezeki and Marini are on great bikes. Um, Bastianini will be on a great bike. Uh, DeGin Antonio will be on a great bike. And then, of course, Pramac and, uh, you know, the factory team will be, should be great bikes. So, we'll see. It'll be a tough tough year for KTM next year unless they make some dramatic improvement. Um, But Capri is in that same boat. Every manufacturer aside from Ducati, I think that was the comment that was the collective idea or approach was that everyone's well, chasing Ducati right now. Yeah, but they have eight bikes on the grid. That's a lot. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of data they, though, too. Well, that is true. We'll just have to see wh- if the juice is worth the squeeze, right? right like that's right. where it is. It was we'll see if they just can't keep up, or if the amount of data they have it just allows them to turn it into the best machine we've ever seen. We'll see. Um, but 
Moving on to the other uh, rookie, Marco Bezzecchi. Are you expecting much from Marco Bezzecchi? He is on a Ducati. I'm really not. Um, you know, Marco Bezzecchi did not have a really good year in Moto2 this year. I mean, it wasn't a, a terrible, terrible year, but it's not the year that we were really expecting. Um, I was right. really, really thinking there was going to be a tooth and nail fight, you know, with Remy Gardner every weekend. Um, and there wasn't. He was kind of very quiet in the championship, I think. Um, excuse me, some results there, some results not. Uh, I, but yeah, I, I did like the fact that he did finish, though. He didn't throw the bike away a exactly, ton this year. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah but, so, but, so going in with that, going into a GP season, um, is he just kind of going to loll back, you know, and towards the back of the pack to, to get the data, to bring the bike home, to work on himself, to uh, adjust and adapt and learn the motor, the machine as the season goes on? Or is he going to try to get up to speed as quickly as possible and possibly throw it up the road? So that, yeah, to that's me, a that's great question. question. Uh, I would say he, I say he will struggle, but I don't think he'll throw it up the road a lot. I, I think he will, um, just let the bike kind of come to him. I, I would hope so, but we'll see. That's a great point. I, I don't know. Like Bezeki's a wild card for me. I don't, I don't see him. Do you see Fernandez or Gardner getting a top 10 at all? Like a top 10 finish at all next year? I think Fernandez is more likely to me than uh, Gardner. Yeah. Okay. And I do too. Uh, but I do think I think Gardner could end up in a top ten, especially my, my, in the wet. My heart wants a, a Remy Gardner top ten next year, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Over the over the Fernandez, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Okay. So we've got we've done Bezeki, we've done Gardner, we've done Fernandez. All right. What about your boy Fabio De Antonio? I'm probably going to be proven wrong simply out uh, out of the karma spite that that, that exists some, for some reason. <laughs> but I don't expect anything out of Fiji, to be completely honest with you. I, you think he'll be at the back? I am still wondering why he has a seat in MotoGP. We're um, about to find out. Yeah, I, I know the uh, I know the answer to that. I think at my core about why he was signed so quickly because he was one of the first confirmed riders, correct? Yeah, yeah, um, and. Yeah, I just, I, again, just glimpses of brilliance on the bike. Um, yep. And then, but, but more often than not, I, I saw a rider that faded as the race went on. Okay. Okay. What about you? Yeah. What, are you what do you think? He's my pick for the surprise rider, the surprise rookie. He's my pick for the surprise of the rookie of the year, honestly. Because, he signed so early, and you made a point about Yamaha watching Bender test on the big bike, and that's why they went with him. Somewhere, somehow, somebody saw Digi on a big bike, and they thought, okay, this kid's got it for the big bike. And that's what I think. And I, 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 I think I just, it was more political. It, it absolutely could have been. You're going to be riding an Italian manufacturer, and you're and th Italian. That bike was going to be an, Apr an Aprilia, I think, before that Aprilia deal fell through. Right. Well, the Aprilia deal fell through because of Aprilia. Right, 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 right. right. And they just didn't want to support it. And um, so Ducati stepped up. But it was. It, you're right. There, there was definitely something to the fact that he's Italian. And he's riding Italian bikes, right? Like there's def there's Italian sponsorship there. Right, there yeah, the team. There, there's a lot of that. Yeah. But I he's 
we're going to see. But I saw him in the test. I watched the test, believe it or not. I was bored, and I couldn't help myself. And he looked really good when I saw him. Now, that means absolutely nothing. But what I saw him doing on the bike, he looked like a MotoGP rider. So, we shall see when the season starts and the lights go out, that'll tell you. And I think I'll know two or three races in whether I just happen to catch him on a good three or four laps or if this guy is going to be a surprise in the GP paddock. And we'll see. Um, yeah, we could see another Jorge Martinez out of him, you know. And We absolutely could. Uh, Jorge, Jorge Martin, you mean? Sorry. Sorry. Easy. All right. Um, Darren Bender. I, you know what I expect. Dumpster fire. Yeah, you? yeah, I know where you're at there. And um, <laughs> I, no disrespect, Darren. I just I haven't seen you do jump. anything. It's a very difficult transition right. to make from Moto Three to Moto GP. So it is. Um, uh, I'm still hoping for points mm-hmm. scoring positions by the end of the year, um, and I really hope that he navigates a learning curve quicker than some of the the folks on the Ducatis. Um, okay. Simply because traditionally, I think the Yamaha has been looked at as quote the easier bike to ride. Hundred um, percent. So maybe that that can play in Darren's favor just a bit. I, I hope it does yeah. again. Um, I hope he's able to sponge off of Andrea Davizioso and yep. and learn there and help navigate that learning curve. But it's going to be a difficult year in yep. that team. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, that's it, it is going to be difficult for him. There's a lot of there's a lot of things there that he's going to have to navigate. Um, so you're not expecting much out of Bazeki. You're not expecting much out of uh, Digia. You're not expecting a ton out of Bender, but maybe something, some points at some point. I, he he'll score some points. There's no doubt. I mean. That's how attrition works, right? Right, um, right. Nakagami's um, going to crash. <laughs> Look, we got to get the Bobus cleaned up. We got to get it ready yeah, for next year. Tra- we, serviced yeah, in the off season, right? Yeah, we got to get that thing serviced and lubed, and we'll get it done. But um, Renz is going down too. So there are rumors out there. We've, we've talked about the rookies now. So there are rumors out there. About Honda making a play for Fabio Quartararo in 2023. What are your thoughts? I think Honda, before Honda needs tries to move anywhere to poach any riders, Honda needs to turn around, look at the garage, get the bike figured out. Now, do you think they're but trying to replace they Mark Marquez yes, or Paul Spargo? That's exactly what I was going to say. It's exactly what I was getting ready to say. They need to entertain the fact that they don't have a rider. So Honda, again, the Scooby-Doo show, as you as so eloquently put out, is it continues to happen. I mean, Honda doesn't know what to do because they're in the middle of a situation that they have created by lack of development over the years and just a complete blind reliance on Mark Marquez. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I I think it's very real possibility they no longer have Mark Marquez as a writer because he's physically unable to do it. Or if he is able to do it, the level's not there anymore. Those are all real possibilities, but we shall see. Um, either way, is this Poles last year in Honda? I think it should be. 
Do you think he'll do better than he did this year? How could he not? Wow. Wow. That's good old-fashioned dislike, folks. That's what that is. Well, I mean, that's... that. I, look, I, I think it'd be tough to do worse. You're right. I think... Um, but I think he'd better get some... He better be in that top six or seven at the end of the year if he wants to keep that job. Really, honestly. I, there's no other way to put it. You know, he's got to do it. One podium and in the bottom half of the championship in terms of standings is not going to work out. But it'll be an interesting year for sure. Yep. Um, but I, you know, I think we're running close on time. So, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that. I think... But I'm I'm excited for our off season. I'm excited to dive into this, and we'll we'll uh, we'll be doing these in depth talks about these riders. We'll do some real research and and hopefully get some interesting facts that maybe you didn't know before. And we look forward to it. But uh, Bo, do you have anything left? No, that's it. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, All right, I'm excited for the new stuff coming up too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we'll keep up with the news. If anything happens, we'll talk with you. Um, we hope everybody out there is going to have a happy holidays. And if you're headed to the track this weekend down in South Florida or in the Florida area or anywhere south where it's warm enough to ride, I think Arizona as well, Southern California, hey, good luck to you guys. And keep that rubber side down, that shiny side up. And as always, I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice, just wanting to say good night and take care with my man Bo. Good night. Have a good one, guys. Good night.